This is Two Beer Marketing, a series from Open Box Strategies about the challenges and triumphs of website design and online marketing. We're taking the hassle out of connecting with your audience online, all while enjoying our favorite beers. So pop a cold one and join us for this Two Beer Marketing podcast. My name is Nick Cullen. I am the founder of Second Flight Academy, which is a growth hacking and marketing academy. Today, my guest is Nick Cullen. He's the founder of Second Flight Academy. He's working with entrepreneurs and small teams to supercharge their digital marketing efforts, providing insights, training, and tools to get ahead in a way that many online courses have really failed to do. From developing audience personas to turning blah blog posts into content that converts visitors to prospects to leads and to customers, Nick and Second Flight Academy are an essential resource to getting started in the digital marketing uh, actually, the world. The whole original idea of the academy came about when one of my uh, clients came up to me and was like, hey, you know, I have three interns and myself that handle marketing. We have no idea how to do digital. And every time I buy all these, you know, uh, how to master Facebook courses, they don't really teach me how to actually leverage the platform and then, you know, figure out how I could actually use it for my own business. So that's kind of where the academy came into play where we take, you know, we get rid of the whole video module idea and really focus on what actually would work for that particular business and what would be the best way to growth hack it for success. So that's kind of like where the whole thing originated and we launched this thing about a close to a year ago and you know within a year we developed this academy to be a six figure a month uh, business and uh, it's, it's been great ever since. Where are you located out of? We're located out of New Jersey. In New Jersey. So yep. does somebody have to be in New Jersey to be able to participate in this? Oh, no, no. We actually are virtual. We have uh, we have students from all over the states and even over in the UK. What would, what makes for an ideal student? So we cater to students. A lot of our students are actually the startup kind of focus kind of students. You know, where small team. You know, maybe three, four, maybe five guys and a team of interns, and they just don't have the bandwidth to do all the tasks that they need to do. And then they also don't have the uh, capital per se to spend, you know, five to six thousand plus dollars on a premier marketing agency. So what we aim to do is teach them how to have that marketing agency mindset while bootstrapping and finding ways to growth hack some of the objectives that they have for their business. You know, it's funny. We just spoke with uh, Ryan Brock at Metonymy Media in Indianapolis in a a previous podcast, um, and he very much focuses on writing. So they do a lot of that's the their niche is writing. They're not an agency that's going to do video. That's going to do the other stuff. They write words. Um, And his big thing that emphasizes even with small teams is that a lot of times the hardest thing is finding the time just to do all this. So obviously I don't think you want to give away the secret sauce, but in broad (laughs) strokes, when you are making that decision to bring your content production, your your marketing in-house, how do you organize that team to be efficient? Because people who are working on your product are probably going to be doing the marketing as well. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing that I I get that question a lot, like, you know, how do you manage time, right? And how do you manage creating deliverables and all the time that it takes to develop that? What I like to say, especially when it comes to blog writing, there's a lot of things out there that say like, oh, you have to do one, one blog a week or you have to do a certain amount of words for your blog or you need to do X, Y, and Z. But I've been finding that if a person who wants to do content marketing around blogs, I say focus your attention on maybe doing two dynamic blogs a month. And with that, there's a key element, which I'll be more than happy to share, which not many people actually look at doing is reverse engineering other people's content. 
tell you a little bit what I mean about that. So let's say you're talking about, let's say just, you know, marketing hacks to make your, you know, blog strategy go from, you know, zero shares to a thousand shares. And there's tons of blogs about that. But the thing about it is a lot of people write about a lot of different things, but you don't really know exactly who is writing for what kind of audience. But if, let's say, you want to target to a specific niche audience, you could take what other people wrote and then export the people who shared that specific content and then you know, pretty much do a whole pre-outreach campaign to those specific people who shared it and then introduce them to your content and say, hey, listen, I was inspired by this one article that you recently tweeted out. I want to introduce you to an article that we improved on that takes the philosophy and the fundamentals of what you tweeted about and gives it a little bit more of an actual strategy around it. And what we've seen with that is when people look at focusing on content that already worked, figure out how to make it better and then leverage that audience who already you know shared that article to introduce your new article, it not only makes your content a little bit more hyper-focused and targeted, but it also ensures that the content quality is also being better than what's already out there. I know a big, my understanding is a big emphasis from what you do is helping businesses identify that buyer persona. And that was something that I had read about and I thought, okay, that's smart. That's something I should get around to someday. But from, from Openbox's standpoint, from my company's standpoint, I really didn't find success with any of our content marketing initiatives until we, we designed these very specific personas for people and so i think that is i'm glad you mentioned that in some of your your uh uh we do a pre-show questionnaire with guests and that was one thing you mentioned there and i saw it on your website is identifying that first so talk a little bit about the buyer persona and what role that plays in shaping your content oh yeah so buyer persona i like to look at a buyer persona as like the dna of who you're targeting in your market right you know so a lot of people identify when they when you throw like oh what's your buyer's persona sometimes you see the pale face develop and you're like oh i don't know right (laughs) or oftentimes you get the generic response like well my audience is you know people who are uh, 20 to 25 and they like sports you know but and that's all they give you you know the thing that you need to develop when you build your persona is so much detail around what makes them tick, why they do what they do, what really triggers them. And when you get to the core of it, you're able to identify what their problems are on an emotional level and even how you want to construct your copy so it resonates with them. Um, a good example is, let's say, you know, I have a, a a client who is a student of ours, he's been in the business for 10 years and he caters to, you know, young athletes that are in high school that develop, you know, high school. Um, he pretty much takes high school kids and places them into college and then helps them get into the NFL. And his program has developed like well over close to 20,000 plus D1 athletes and around 300 NFL athletes. And before he was just push, pushing content of his events, but he wasn't really triggering what these kids actually wanted. And what they actually wanted was, you know, they, they catered on Instagram, for instance, just looking at NFL players highlight reels. And after reviewing what the persona likes, you know, they like to see other players in their kind of like core peer group doing exactly what they're doing at, at the high level that they want to be at, like the NFL players. So what we identified was like these young guys who are only on Instagram, really, and since your your program is a visual program where you want to see people 
perform. They don't really want to see like the self promotion. Like here, here we are at an event in Tennessee or wherever they're at. You know, they want to see actual players who are just like them, same age group, scoring that great touchdown or knocking a helmet off a kid instead of just seeing all these videos of these pros doing it. So we identified that there wasn't any content out there on Instagram, but these other content that are similar, like for for instance, college and NFL plays, they were receiving like uh, close to a million followers and growing like exponentially around like 10,000 followers like a day. And what we decided was, well, you based on your buyer's persona, they want this kind of content, but no one's providing the content that is relevant to them. So since he has a big database of like all these kids that do his combines every year, we just simply send an email saying, hey, listen, we want to feature you and your best plays on our Instagram channel. And we want to develop our Instagram portal as the number one Instagram channel for youth and high school football athletes. Literally that email, we got like, like 500 submissions of highlights and we started curating their own you know their own personnel of attendees to create and curate content and what ended up happening was since we hyper focused based around what we know what our buyer persona for them wanted their account grew from 2000 followers to now it's like close to 25000 followers in less than 60 days and then to top that all off it actually generated over 500 combine signups within a 30 day period when you're developing a campaign what do you do to to establish your target ROI on any campaign. So of course you always want to benchmark what they're currently doing, right? So if someone's like, "Hey, we done Facebook ads and, you know, we really haven't built a persona out, but here's our numbers." That's always the the surefire benchmark to calibrate anything that you're doing. But when it comes to buyer's persona and figuring out campaigns, especially when it comes to let's say ad targeting, especially on Facebook, you know, you could take for instance, if you built a whole persona on you know, your core ideal audience, you could typically take all that juicy information and plug it into Facebook's ad targeting metrics. And then even better, Facebook just rolled out a new feature where you could even narrow your, your targeting. So before it used to be like you could target geolocations, so you could target age, and then it has a, like an area where you could plug in all the interests. But what happened is if you targeted someone, let's say, who liked, you know, Entrepreneur Magazine, Mad Men, you know, all these different things that cater to, let's say, your core audience, it would pool them all together, right? But let's say you want to throw all those interests in and then narrow it down to just CEOs, like the job title. Instead of bundling that into the main pool, you could put your pool of everything that you want and then narrow that down and then even narrow that down even further. So when you build a detailed persona and you say, hey, our persona likes X, Y, and Z, but they also have to be X, Y, and Z. And then at top of all that, we really, really want to have someone who's focused on this. Your audience size will go from, let's say, you know, close to over a quarter of a million to like maybe a core, you know, 30,000 people, which you know to a T is exactly what you want as far as targeting. And then you could take that hyper-target search that you built from your buyer's persona to then craft copy that speaks directly to them. And it makes that whole transition of someone not knowing your brand to understanding who you are and feeling that trust and credibility because you just took so much targeting and applied the, the copy to it so much to a T that someone is really receptive to exploring what you actually have to offer. You had mentioned uh, in, a, in, the, in the questionnaire about how uh, 
software technology has changed so much, uh, especially in terms of marketing. What, um, what, I guess, what's your favorite bell and whistle of late that you've been playing with? You just mentioned Facebook changed its, uh, its targeting opportunities. Um, but what's, what's, uh, what's your favorite technology marketing toy to play with lately? I've been really, really enjoying this cool software called Yesware. Uh, are you guys familiar with it? I am not. It's it's a sweet plugin. It like turns your Outlook and Gmail into like this like spy typhoon. You know, it, it, <laughs> a it's spy incredible. typhoon. It, dude, it, it's <laughs> it's insane. Like for instance, you know, I this this plugin takes it, it it does more you know how outlook you know the whole cool thing about outlook was you were able to click that check you know check that box that says notify me or send me a receipt when they read it yeah so this takes that but puts it on steroids so it it tells you when they read it but it tells you every time they open up the message but also it tells you if they click on a link they also tells you wow. if if you send an attachment how long and they looked at it on each page, you know, the duration of it, if they shared it with a friend or they forward your email to another person, it's like insane the amount of tracking but it could do. But in the nature of sales and marketing, though, the follow-up is the most important thing you got to do yeah, in anything. Absolutely. And what it does is it has intelligent triggers that you can set up even on mail merges that will notify and trigger the auto response to happen on a singular level of instead of sending these mass emails out. So let's say, you know, a guy like myself, and I'm sure you guys and a lot of people who listen to your show, you know, from the hours of 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., they could get like 50 to 100 emails <laughs> during that time sometimes, right. right? And you respond to an email and then you get hit with, you know, the next wave of emails and then the next day comes and you could forget about that email that you mentally put in your head to follow up on. What this platform does and what I love about it so much is that in case that happens, it'll automatically trigger if someone doesn't respond back to you with a reply message saying like, you know, you know, hey, I, in case this got lost in your inbox, you know, I wanted to follow up with you to, sure. about what we we're chatting about. Or you could just set it up so automatically if someone doesn't respond to your email, it'll set up a reminder saying like, hey, you know, it's been a week since this person responded back to your email. Maybe you want to set up a follow up. So it just really helps the management and the follow-up system of uh, of your email marketing, but also at the same time, it gives you the opportunity to uh, you know intellectually re- follow up at the right time. So it sets up for the end user who you send the email to, like that whole serendipity you know moment. Or if you right. want to even freak them out even more, just give them a call. And you could be like, wow, I was just looking at your email. I'm about to respond, and you gave me a call. And you're like, oh, man, I just have that effect on people. You know, that's <laughs> happened to me before, and I bet that's what they were using. Because I think I was getting sold some kind of – it was like my cable subscription or something. It was the weirdest thing. I was looking at a guy's email, and then he called while I was looking at it. So I was probably getting duped by yesterday. <laughs> so that's something I'm going to figure out. You're, work, you're working closely with entrepreneurs, small teams that are used to – moving fast. They have to do everything themselves. Um, it's a different mentality. We work with a lot of small businesses and we found that a small business owner for a lifestyle business, for a small, small, maybe family run trade, maybe they paint houses or they, you know, they're a, a, a electrical company. Um, somebody in the firm might be curious about, Hey, we should do some of this content marketing. It might be a progressive way. We should probably update our website. 
Um, for those people who say, you know, I'm just not the creative type, but I want to try this doing it ourselves. What are some of the first steps to take in, uh, in building out a good audience persona foundation? So when it comes to content creation, especially let's say someone wants to just get involved with blogging, right? The, I find the foundation of creating a dynamic blog starts with your headline, Right, and oftentimes people struggle with trying to figure out that headline that is going to draw the most people in, and then also set the tone of what you actually want to write about. So, a good tip for any person who's never wrote a blog or has you know struggles coming out with unique content, and this 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 may sound funny, but I'm sure they have lying around maybe in the office or somewhere that if they went to the store, they should look at the cover of Cosmo. Cosmo the- magazine. Cosmo magazine. With the sex tips and stuff. With the sex tips okay. and everything. <laughs> and I'm telling you, now, if you were to, you know, cover up, like, the 25, you know, sex tips to make them get hot or whatever, if you took out <laughs> sex tips and hot, <laughs> you know, you would – and just plug in, like, almost like Mad Libs, right? Sure. Take out the areas that, are, you know, of course, not applicable to you. Or maybe you could keep that hot part, right? And maybe you could be, like, 25, you know sh- – um, writing strategies that will make your, your readers feel hot sure. <laughs> or whatever it might be. It, it will definitely shake things up. Okay. But when you look at it, you know, check, read the headlines of Cosmo and just figure out like, okay, they craft their magazine so much to a T to attract people who are checking out at the, at, at the store. And that moment, when you look over to your right or your left and you see those magazines there, the headlines are what grabs you, and right. you're like, oh, that seems cool. Right. And then you grab the magazine. So you got to think about it like that. They crafted the art of the headlines so well. That's one of the reasons why they're the leading magazine, because they just know how to draw you in for those quick three seconds while you're when you're making your buying decision to pick up the magazine and see what it's all about. But you could keep that same tactic, and of course, just you know throw in what your business is about during the areas of course that are not applicable or if you want to get edgy you could keep some of their wording in now when you identify personas too and you identify what your persona likes and and really enjoys you could then even craft up content that really is relatable um i uh one of my students they they're a big a lot of the people they target are like these uh tech startups and in the tech world they wanted to try identifying you know game of thrones with their audience right and what they what we ended up doing was we identified their persona who they wanted but we wanted to narrow down the search to only people who like game of thrones and they developed an app that um, could monitor and enhance and curate company culture inside the office and then leverage what's happening inside the office for, you know, hiring, you know, marketing techniques. So so what they ended up doing to help leverage not only their brand but also their app was they identified the core audience with people who like, buy, uh, who like uh, Game of Thrones and they identified Game of Thrones uh, houses as, you know, tech companies of today hmm. so like you know you had uh you know lord uh you know the house of the lannister house and they were identified as you know lord uh house bezos from amazon okay <laughs> and and they like made them look like it and put the graphics to it so it, like they did a mashup between the tech companies of today and game of thrones characters and then they also did their ad targeting to 
everything around the persona of who they want to target, but they narrow down the search to people who watch Game of Thrones. So people who watch Game of Thrones and also work at those specific companies too. So an employee who likes at Yahoo that sees Melissa Mayer as House Targaryen and you know they see an article that talks about company culture and it identifies really well with not only the interests of what they like to watch but also the place that they work at you know it, it really hits the the core of what this person actually will want to read and long story short this one blog that they had no audience on before it was the first blog that they created uh, ended up generating close to like a thousand shares and actually sourced out some good leads for their business too how long do you have to be consistent in producing content to see uh, at attributable ROI from the content you're creating to to the outcome of your goal, whether it's generating leads or someone buying your product, whatever it is? How, how what, What's your rule of thumb for time commitment before you start seeing results if you're doing everything right? Yes. So if I would say if I had to peel even back, any person should be able to see some sort of leverageable ROI within the first two weeks of they publish a blog correctly, right? And I will right. tell you how that's possible. So when I when you construct a blog, you want to look at it like this. You have your main topic, but within the topic, you want to also develop bonus content within it. So what I mean by that is you develop your subject, and you have your subject focus on it, and you drive the traffic to that. But within the blog, a lot of times people, you know, rely on their pop-up that comes in or that sidebar scroller that says, you know, sign up for a newsletter or whatever it might be all around the page where people just want to read the content, right? But the thing that people convert that traffic better on is it within the content you have baked in it like bonus content. So it, it's connected to the blog, but it applies extra content that someone who is already enjoying the reading wants to acquire, whether that's maybe, you know, if it's a top 10 things about, you know, how to make yourself more productive, the bonus content would be, here's a step-by-step guide to implement a productive day-to-day mm. schedule sure. with, with tools and all that good stuff. So it's relatable. So someone who's reading this is like, oh, this is a great thing. Oh, cool. There's this extra bonus content. All I got to throw is my email. I get a nice shiny PDF of actually how to do this. They're more receptive to do that than getting interrupted after 10 seconds with like sign up for a newsletter or on that sidebar, you see this thing creep up sneakily like saying, hey, sign up for my newsletter here. (laughs) But if you have it baked in within your blog, you're able to do something really, you know, it, it enhances the reader's experience. So when you frame this thing out, I like to look at it two weeks of preemptive strategy and planning where you're like, okay, what is going to be our main topic and what is the bonus content that we could provide for the people who read our blog? So that way we can start converting people into our email list. So once you identify those two areas, I would say the, the, the second week is going to be all about pre-outreach. Now, I like to look at blogging and the blogs that people create as like a movie, Right. So when a movie comes out about a month before it launches, all you see around your television is these movie trailers that come up to get people hyped up for it. Right. You should do the same thing when it comes to blogging. A lot of people don't look at it like that. Now, if you identified people who like that content that you're about to produce and if you follow that reverse engineering strategy. So, like, for instance, you you come up with a strategy and then you use a platform called Buzzumo. I'm sure you guys are familiar with Buzzumo. Sure am. So you would type in to find relevant blogs that did really well and got sh- you know shared on Buzzumo. 
So what you would want to do then is simply this. You would find the articles that are relevant to what you're doing and you export the people who shared it on Twitter. And then you reach out to those guys and you simply say, hey, listen, I'm coming out with a blog that's very similar to what, I, what you tweeted about. And I want to show you something I actually created that improved the reading experience and also provides a lot more actionable strategies. And there's a platform called Makesmail, M-A-K-E. S-M-A-I-L.com. And what they do is they take that information from the username and the URL associated to their, their Twitter account and identify what their email is. So you could take a list of like 10,000 people and give it to them and they'll generate, you know, the emails of those users. And oftentimes you get like at least well over half your list of, you know, the people who tweeted it, um, it's email addresses. So then you know, when I talked about Yesware before, you could use Yesware and the mail merge system they have and say a simple message saying like, hey, you know, first name. So, hey, Nick, you know, question about an article you tweeted as a subject line. And then the body, you could say something where it's like, you know, hey, Nick, I saw that you recently tweeted out the 25 growth hacks to marketing. Um, I was really interested in this topic too and I was a big fan of the blog and it actually inspired me to create another blog called blah 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 you know would you like a heads up when it goes live so I would typically set up this campaign around four days before the blog goes live so the the initial email blast would go out and I would set up a follow-up if they don't reply back within let's say three days I would send a simple follow-up saying like hey hey Nick I, I know my inbox gets crazy you know I thought you know I wanted to bump this up so you know, you could get a heads up when the blog goes live. I really think that you're going to enjoy it. So typically the open rate is around, believe it or not, 70 to 80%. Holy cow. Yeah. And the reply rate, believe it or not, is above 50%. That's unheard of in it, any kind of email marketing. It, That's incredible. It's, it's surreal, but you got to think about it. Now, Nick, if you got an email from someone saying with your, your name in the subject line, hey, Nick, about an article you tweeted, you'll probably be like, Okay, let me check this out. <laughs> well, yeah, because it seems personal, right? It doesn't have any of the the funk of an automated email, right? Yeah, because it's exactly. so specific. And then, and then you click on the uh, the message and you say, "Hey, you know, you see someone who's like, wow, this person noticed I tweeted an article maybe a few weeks ago or even a few months ago, and they hyperlinked the article so that way I could get re I could even remember what the article's about. And all they want me to do is see if I want to check out this other article that clearly I have interest in." already like you're not asking for much right and i feel like a lot of people what they fail in with their blogging is they create the blog and they just beg people to read it they just beg people they they write it and then they blast it out say hey i created this article share it like it read right. it do all this stuff and it's too much for people to commit to huh. but if you pre-outreach to people who are relevant to share and actually have an interest in your topic you could then say softly hey i saw that you like this I saw that you read this. I saw that you share this. And now I just want to give you, you know, I want to know if you want to get the heads up on the latest and greatest blog that's going to be improving what you already liked and shared. I mean, I think any person is going to be like, yeah, why not? Right? What do I got to lose? Right. That sounds like the definition of growth hacking is something right? like that. Right. So typically the responses you'll get is out of 10 people, nine of them would actually say yes. And you'll get that one jerk who says no, <laughs> you know, but, but, but the great thing about it is even for a person who's never blogged before, 
or doesn't have a huge email list or they can never get past even just 10 shares on their blog. What happens is like let's say you build a, a list of people who share relevant content across a bunch of different articles and you end up building a monster like 300 emails or 500 emails which you can easily do if you do the BuzzZumo and the MakesMail um, strategy. So you have this already pre-populated email list and then you do that strategy with like Yesware or whatever email provider you decide to do it with. You'll end up getting, you know, based on the numbers, let's say off of 500 emails, you'll get around 150 to 200 people saying, yes, please send me the article when it's live. And even some of them are, are already saying, yeah, send it to me. I'll share it when it, when it comes out. Right. <laughs> so you've been getting people already bought in. And then the day when it goes live and you reach back to every single one of those people, literally almost within 24 hours the amount of people who said yes or the amount of people are also sharing it sure. and since you also made sure the people who you reached out to are influencers so who have like over 2,000 plus followers at least one of the people in their network are also going to look at it and possibly share it too so you could just think about how you could compound this over and over and over again and how maybe a list of 200 people that say yes I'd love to check it out and share it could easily equate to a thousand plus people you know looking at your blog and sharing it as well Nick Cullen from Second Flight Academy in, uh, in New Jersey if someone wants to get in touch with you and uh, learn more like these great tips you've been sharing how do they do that yeah so people can reach out to me um, if they want to reach out to me via Twitter they could you're going to reach out to me uh, at Nick Cullen, K-U-L-L-I-N. Um, they also can email me at Nick at secondflightacademy.com. Uh, and, you know, if they check out my website, uh, secondflightacademy.com, I also have a great webinar that talks about um, the secrets to growth hacking that marketing agencies don't want you to know. And I highly suggest anyone who wants to get more juicy secrets and actionable strategies to check out that, you know, less than an hour webinar where they could get a ton of great advice. Nick, good talking to you today. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me on the show. You bet.